on the record on News Talk. You are listening to News Talks on the record with me, Kieran Cudahy. Five three one zero six is the text number that will cost you thirty cent. Or as always, you can get me on Twitter at Kieran Cudahy. Now joining me here in studio late on Friday afternoon uh, was Richard Bruton, of course, the former Minister for Education, now the Minister for Communications, Climate Action, and the Environment. A really wide-ranging brief. Uh, so it was interesting to sit down with him, and we talked about various aspects of that brief. But with everything that has happened in recent weeks around Dennis Nocton and uh, and the bidding process about the broadband plan. I started by asking about that plan and where it is at at the moment. Well, the status is, you know, the government is determined that we would deliver uh, rapid broadband to every home in the country. And the reason we're determined to do that is that, you know, access to broadband will transform people's lives. That's the reality. Um, You know, I've seen it in education. Uh, I was talking to someone recently who made the point that, you know, at the moment, a typical internet might have seven devices connected to it. In a short number of years, it'll be 150. So, you unless we can give that powerful tool to every home in the country, we'll be letting people down. So, we're we're very committed to it. The status of it is we have got uh, a final bid for from a process that, as you probably know, uh, started in 2015. Uh, But a final bid has been presented in the middle of September uh, and that is being evaluated um, within the the department with the assistance of independent advisors. So it will be looking at every aspect of it, Mm. the governance of it, the risk elements, the cost, every element of it. And when that reports, I'll be be going to government. The second element of it, of course, is that the there has always been a process auditor uh, to make sure that everything was done properly uh, in the light of the, 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 the potential view that there was a conflict of interest. Uh, the Taoiseach asked the process auditor to look at um, what has happened over the, the period and he is also due to report back on his evaluation of the process. So you have two parallels, if you like. Mm. Uh, Peter Smith, the auditor, saying, you know, has this been uh, in any way undermined? And then the evaluation team looking at the final tender and coming back with a recommendation to government. When, when will they come back with that? When, when, well, when the expectation planning? is that they will come back during this month. Um, so the uh, auditor process will no doubt come earlier than the evaluation process. Uh, so you know, they, this it is quite imminent that we will have um, a report back to government and uh, and uh, a decision to be taken. And then, how quickly then shovels in the ground, as it were, or men up or women up flagpoles, or however it's going to be done, uh, and how long then before there's, I suppose, we start hitting deadlines in terms of connectivity of all these people who are still are without broadband? Because you know, deadlines is one of the issues with the broadband plan that they've been pushed out several times. Yeah, I mean, obviously the ambition will be to do this as quickly as possible and the the contract will have to specify uh, milestones and delivery uh, lines. So I suppose until we have a final evaluation, I'm not in a position to start naming uh, deadlines or timelines. Uh, But clearly the ambition of government is to deliver this as quickly as possible. Uh, It is a very ambitious project, as you can imagine, because the the 23% of homes that we're taking on to deliver to are ones that... Uh, the commercial interests are not willing to deliver to. You know, so this is a more challenging area. I think someone has stated it, it has 96% of the land mass, yeah. uh, but only 23% of the homes. So uh, it's much easier to serve the 4% than the 96%. Yeah, that's and, true. And, and you see that when you look at the map, the, the, the broader map, a lot, a lot of amber areas, but as you said, look, 23% of, of homes in those amber areas. When you say delivering to the homes, do you mean connecting the homes or running 
you know, access points past the homes? Because this is one of the issues with air and the the three hundred thousand connections. This was the low hanging fruit, essentially yeah. that 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 air contract. Um, and when it was announced, your predecessor spoke about uh, connections, and that was a word used, connections. Now. The, the narrative kind of changed somewhat to access as opposed to connections because it turned out air were not actually connecting up houses, or not a lot of them. There were far more instances they were just running kind of access, I suppose, past the front door yeah. and then people then could connect if they wanted at well, a cost. Uh, yeah, there is a commitment uh, that in the air contract, and it will be very similar in any other contract, that uh, anyone who has uh, where the service passes their door that they can get a connection at a charge no greater than the charge that would be made anywhere else in the in the country uh, so in other words their connection charge will not be loaded for the fact that uh, it's in an isolated area so that is the requirement that they will have to uh, deliver that I think to 95% uh, will have to have nothing other than a standard charge being applied. And the 23% then of, of homes then that, that, that the state is responsible for essentially that would be the same the same, the same. issue. It, it would be delivery to the, I suppose past the front door and then for the people behind the but front door. To a stand, at a standard charge no greater than anyone else would okay. have to charge. So if you're sitting in Griffith Avenue and want to make a connection you, you will have a connection charge uh, and similarly, you know, these contracts will require that the same uh, service um, yeah. prices or charges would apply regardless of whether you're in Dublin or in, in, in a rural area. So that's that's the equity of treatment that, that's involved in this. Uh, Jess Kelly, our tech correspondent here, was on with Pat Kenny yesterday. She had been down in, in Lara and Lara is one of these places in Wicklow for people who don't know, know it, near you know, it's one of these places on the map that looks blue until you zoom in and there's little yellow dots or amber dots over all the houses in Lara so that the village is connected, as it were, on the face of it, but no one's houses have uh, are, are connected up. But one of the issues they mentioned there is the school, which I know in your previous brief you would have been aware of schools, you know, having access to whiteboards and this technology but not being able to use them. Some people there made a suggestion that what Comreg should get involved in the me- in, in, until there's kind of broadband everywhere, um, and essentially charge based on bandwidth that 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 they're paying the same rate every month for four gigs when someone else is getting you know a hundred gigs, a thousand gigs somewhere else, and they're paying the same amount. That you know if someone's getting four gigs a month, that they shouldn't be paying the same amount. They, they, their suggestion was Comreg get involved in this. Well, Comrade can obviously choose to regulate pricing, and it has it has uh, discretion in that in that area. Um, its principles is getting um, you rolling out a network and seeing a fair return for the investor mm. in, in the commercial area. So I'm not going to comment on what Comrade might it do. Would, it but would get a wriggle on the private operators if they're only getting yeah. four euro fifty for. I know. I mean, I think you, I think you have to. You know, Comrade will have to be conscious that whatever they do has to allow the continuing expansion of the service. Um, and we have, you know, very successfully expanded. I think in 2012, it's just 30%. Now we're at 74 So, you know, a lot of people have access to, to, to fast broadband, but it's the 23 that we're, we're worried about. My understanding is in terms of schools, there would be over a thousand schools in the in the Amber area. Um, so this will be a very important project for enabling schools to have access to what is a very powerful technology for cha- changing the way people learn. Well, within the, the process, and I, I accept that, you know, it's before, it, that the, the report hasn't been concluded, say, within the department, the review of the final bid and all that. Will there be a priority given to 
in in different areas who gets broadband first in that you know would it just be a, a case of uh, you know running a line the a line along the road and you know it, it you get each house as you come to it or will there be a, a a priority in terms of let's connect up this area because it has a school and it has certain businesses in it this area has fewer people you know or, or or how will that work well that detail will ultimately be in the contract sign but my understanding is it will be uh, areas where there would be 100% coverage offered so they would deliver to 100% and then move to another area and deliver to 100% it's not going to be connect uh, all the schools and then connect yeah, all the businesses exactly. and then connect yeah, all the houses yeah. okay grand it's area by area we'll move on to another area of your brief and as we, we were kind of chatting before and it's it's kind of a, a quite a large broad brief but uh, climate change and carbon tax and energy. Um, one of the, I suppose, the criticisms in the wake of the budget um, was uh, that there was no change in carbon tax policy uh, from the government. Uh, was was that something that you were happy about? You weren't in this ministry at the time. If you were, would you have sought uh, an increase in carbon tax? Well, I think the important thing in respect of carbon tax is that we um, set a level in the future for carbon tax, not too far away, where people can make a plan on the basis that using uh, fossil fuels will be a great deal more expensive in the future and making decisions about your house purchase or your mm. house installation or your house energy kit uh, or your vehicles, that those decisions will be much more expensive if you lock yourself into high carbon usage. So I think we have to send a very clear signal to people through a carbon tax that you know uh, behaviour has to change. Now, in the last budget, you do know like the, the reality was energy prices are rising anyhow, very mm. significantly. Um, you also have a lot of people in the short term and particularly older people locked into heating systems where they don't have the capacity quickly to change. Mm. So I can understand why, if you like, in, in the immediate context of, of the last budget, uh, it was decided not to do it. But I'm absolutely clear that we need to have a very clear trajectory to a much higher carbon price in the future so that people, citizens making their decisions, will be able to make it on the basis of a proper consciousness of carbon. But of course, there's an awful lot more than carbon tax. I mean, the key success factor is that we're successful in rolling out what we've committed to in the national plan. You know, we've 30 billion of investment in in climate action uh, investments and in sustainable transport. But even beyond that, we have a vision of, you know, compact and connected development so that the new growth in our country, which will come, will occur in compact and connected areas with sustainability at their heart, regionally much more dispersed than we have had, less requirement for long commutes and so on. So implementing that is going to be really important as well as the huge change in behaviour of every citizen, every enterprise, every community yeah. in the way they use uh, fossil fuels and, and generate carbon. And, and look, the, the proof will be in the pudding to a degree of, of that kind of long-term development uh, of the country. In terms of the carbon tax then, if, if it was a case that, you know, it, it would have been unfair maybe on certain people to implement it immediately, what exactly are you doing to get some of those houses and people out of using those old heating systems so that in next year's budget there can be well, the carbon you know, in so the, the year after in the so capital- that you don't yeah. sit in here and say, well, look, there's a lot of elderly people on an old heating system. Yeah, no, in the capital, in the, the 10-year capital plan, they are committing, I think, $4.5 billion to upping the, the supports to people to make those changes, be it electric vehicles or, or deep energy retrofits of their homes. But let's be honest, it, that what's in the capital plan is not enough. We will have to be getting much more happening in those areas than is 
propped up by government incentive. Uh, and that will be a very you know, serious signal we will have to send to the general public that mm. you know, this must be taken seriously. We are off track in our climate commitments. If we don't have a step change, we will be paying significant amounts of money in the future in terms of overrunning the commitments. Much? What's, your, but much, what's your understanding of how much the annual uh, fines will be the if, estimates, if I say if we don't we won't hit our well, target the estimates today are you know that we would overrun by about 50 million tonnes and then the price of carbon you have to factor in mm. some people say the price of carbon should be 80 uh, that would be 4 billion uh, but it's probably won't be that in 2030 but you're talking about in the range of 2 to 4 billion but far more seriously per than that yeah i know it's in the te- for the 10 year penalty oh, sorry for the 10, but the yeah. but the, the the difficulty will be we will be on a trajectory that is way off course and that uh, deficit, if you like, that we've to make up will be getting worse and worse. But you know, leave aside the money. You, we have to. We have international commitments to reduce carbon, and that's for good reasons, not just financial reasons. Mm. And it's really important that Ireland become a leader and not a follower, because if you are following these trends, it becomes much more expensive to make the adjustment. But also, the economic opportunities that goes with a carbon-free economy will not be seized in Ireland. So you know, there's a lot of. Uh, strong reasons why we need to be a leader and not a follower in respect of climate change. And that's what I want to, to bring about and work work on the policy uh, instruments that can allow that happen. OK, well then give me an example of one thing you were going to do differently from your predecessor to try and hit those targets. Well, I think it's not differently, but it's to accelerate those uh, measures, to accelerate, uh, you know, switch to electric vehicles, to switch to, to deep energy re- uh, refitted houses, to make the, uh, the whole ambition about compact and connected development a reality that we actually deliver uh, that sort of development in the in the cities like Waterford and Limerick mm. and Galway have been have been targeted that we build it into planning uh, rules the way in which we look at you know having connections for e- electric vehicles built into planning conditions you know having you know zero energy buildings built into planning conditions you know these are the sort of things that go right across government and it's not a question of changing from what my predecessor did, it's accelerating that we need to step up in all these areas. So it'd be not unlike the action plan for jobs where, you know, achieving a change in jobs required action of of several government departments. Mm. This will be the very same. Uh, And I have a very strong mandate from the Taoiseach that he wants this to happen. He wants uh, Ireland to make a step up in respect of our commitments in in climate action. So I will, you know, be forcing uh, the pace on decision making right across the system. And and I think that's what we need to do to to achieve this. Uh, uh, Before I let you go, because I'm conscious we're we're running low on time, I want to ask you just uh, one question about Western building systems in your previous brief as Minister for Education um, uh, these are obviously the, the rapid build schools um, that a lot of uh, will be reopening a lot of them on, on Monday some of them with remedial work happening others not i just curious of your understanding because Western Building Systems their position has been look the department certified and signed off on these uh, you know, it is the kind of the, the, the department's responsibility that certification and signing off uh, we, we saw what other building projects from the boom years that there was often kind of confusion about that certification and signing off. Is it the department's responsibility? And if it's not, if this remedial work isn't the responsibility of the department on foot of certification and signing off, does it not beg the question someone should be sued for it? That the state should be pursuing whoever is responsible. If it isn't the state, someone's responsible. 
Well, and legal proceedings surely will issue. From the Department of Education's point of view, it's the children's safety is the first priority and they're doing everything now to ensure that these buildings, which have been found defective as a result of audits that I commissioned when I was there, of fire safety issues, Mm. these other defects have been identified and that's that's where they started. So this this started from the department checking out uh, that requirements had been met at the time they were built. Uh, You are right, there will be issues around liability and who should have done this and you know, I'm not going to try to prejudice what might be uh, a court issue for legal liability to be determined but you know, from a government's point of view the priority today is to make sure that children are in safe schools and that's what Joe is, is doing and working with, with the team in the department to make sure that happens. Yeah, And, and if ultimately it's, it's determined that the department isn't responsible for this you, you will, the, the tax, taxpayer won't be left footing the bill. Obviously, there's issues here that will have to, on which legal advice will have to be sought by the department. Um, I'm not going to try and prejudge what that legal advice will show, but um, you know, th- th- I think the department has indicated that already itself. All right, on that note, former Minister for Education, current Minister for Communications, Climate Action and the Environment, Richard Bruton. Richard, thanks a million for coming into us. Thanks, Kieran. On the record. On, the record. on News Talk.